Hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Medics Podcast. My name is Imran Lasker. I'm a consultant radiologist. And hi, I'm Trisha Gunawardner. I'm a cardiology registrar, sub-specialising in intervention. And we've got quite an exciting week. It's quite, it's been quite a good week. Obviously, the PA things come up again, and we'll have to talk about that again. But there's been good, there's been great subjects coming up, and I think we're going to have a really good episode today. Um, yeah. But anyway, Trisha, how you been? What's been going on? Uh, yeah, good. Thanks. Uh, yeah, as you say, like really varied topics, like quite a, a mixed bag. Obviously, mm. the PA thing is a kind of recurring theme. I feel like it's kind of, if we were like a TV series, we have like separate episodes and the, <laughs> the PA is like the string that doesn't like binds our episodes <laughs> together. And then in the finale, God, what happens in the finale? Pizza will definitely be in the finale, won't it? But yeah, I guess so. The big reveal. Yeah, I would have got away with it if it wasn't for you pesky kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know who you are. <laughs> yeah, for those I don't know, that's a physician associates we're talking about. And that seems to be a recurring theme along medical social media across the board. It seems to be a constant issue. Um, but yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you've otherwise been okay. I think you're starting nights this weekend. Is that right? I you're, am. You're yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm expecting some angry messages this weekend. Oh, no, yeah. It's going to happen. Some content, some tier content. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Cool. So I think this week we're going to start off with the balls up of the week, weren't we? Yeah. Our uh, Manscaped sponsored balls up of the week is going to be going to who's it going to go to through this week? Have you copied the link in? It's a, oh yes, you have. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So it's not Bella herself. Bella is that Roschetti? That's her name. Roschetti. Oh Roschetti. Oh yeah. God. Um, anyway, she she's copied in a screenshot, so it's not her. But I'll read it out to you anyway, this kind of the story. In my final short OSCEs, there was a testicular examination. Having never done or practiced scrotal examination, I was absolutely screwed. But I thought, best thing is to go back to basics. Didn't feel right, but on the spot, I decided, fuck it. Inspection, palpation, percussion, oh my gosh, and auscultation. How do you put, God, I didn't even, I didn't catch that the first time. Anyway, so I inspected and palpated this old fella's ball sack and relayed my findings. The examiner became uncomfortable as he could see which way this was heading. Why is it heading? But I soldiered on, oh, thank God. And in one of my more unconventional moments of my medical career, I percussed each bollock expertly. Dull bilaterally, okay. Maybe for you. Anyway, so then came the moment. I was sure I had seen this before in a book, but had never seen it done. I knew I'd failed the station anyway, so there was a casual insouciance. As I whipped off my stethoscope <laughs> from around my neck. I hope these people are washing their stethoscopes. Anyway, I auscultated each bollock individually and even asked the patient to Valsalva whilst doing this. No idea why. That's an interesting twist upon twist being a, the torsion joke in there. Looking perplexed, the examiner asked me, what did you hear? And I think there's a reply because I think this is from Reddit, which is no added testicular sounds or something, which I think is amazing. So, That's a solid answer. There's a lot of emotions, a lot of emotions, right? Wow. I can see you yeah, doing this. Yeah. I can see you doing this. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I thought I was going to say the same thing. I can imagine thinking, it's a camera, I've got this, just go for the basics. Yeah, yeah. just go, yeah, just treat like chest exam and yeah. see where you go. And when I realize I messed up, while well, I'm in here now, I'm yeah. just go carry on. on. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, fair enough. This is just a bad situation. I'm not going to make it any better. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant, isn't it? The dedication to just seeing that through, if it's true, is brilliant. How would you feel being the examiner? How do you feel being the kind of dummy patient, mate? Be like, what the heck? I didn't sign up for this. Let's put this cold stethoscope. Yeah. Did they warm this stethoscope up? They should have got extra points if they warmed their stethoscope up. But I think crucially... What, mate, what about percussing? Percussing. Yeah, I know. Some people might be into that. I don't know. But 
the person who wrote that story is a mm. consultant now mm. i'm pretty sure probably not in urology how do you know that how do you know that I mean, yeah maybe that was the start of a beautiful love affair love affair with uh, urology yeah. maybe yeah maybe something but i think if any fitting it does go to balls up manscape balls up the week so support for this podcast is brought to you by manscape who is the best in men's below the waist grooming their products are precision engineered tools for your family jewels manscape performance package the ultimate men's hygiene bundle join over 7 million men worldwide who trust manscape with the exclusive offer 20 percent off free worldwide shipping with the code two medics at manscape.com if you guys haven't tried it already at least go to the website check out what manscape's about they've got a wonderful picture of the blades the blades that are used in their fourth generation trimmer, which features cutting edge ceramic oh, blades to reduce <laughs> grooming. It reduces grooming. I think it increased, but it actually reduces grooming accidents. Thanks to advanced skin safe technology and the lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has that 4000K LED spotlight uh, to give you some more precise shave, etc. etc. It's a good product and I have been enjoying many of the products. And like I said before, I actually keep some of the products near my desk when I'm doing where I'm pausing because it just smells nice. <laughs> really? Well, it just smells nice. Yeah, yeah. It's right here. Look. Oh, um, I thought you meant the, I thought you meant the shaver that you might just, you know, actually. Oh, yeah, just in the middle of scanning. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah I'm, you know, <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Good. Sorry, excuse me. One second. Sorry. That's, yeah. I, could you imagine taking a referral when you're in the middle of doing that? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I bet some of those referrals make you want to do it, you know. But anyway, well, just so let's move things over. Well, maybe start <laughs> <laughs> so noticing why I'm suddenly so uncomfortable. Yeah, maybe you can get a bit uncomfortable seeing in one place the whole time. Yeah, exactly. I do worry about the temperature. They say temperature is a big deal, isn't it? And so, yeah, seeing on seeing at the desk the whole time. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. That's only if you're like thinking of having more children, though. Yeah, don't get me started. Yeah, no thanks. Shall we? There was a tweet from Cara Lisette, who's a great account mm-hmm. to follow. She talks a lot about like body images, body image and stuff. But she, her tweet wasn't about that today. It's on the fifteenth of November. So at Cara Lizette with a double T. I really dislike the phrase "start a family" when people are talking about having children. Don't make somebody a family. Me and my boyfriend and our pets are a family. Best friends in a house share can be a family. Siblings living in a flat are a family. Which I think is an interesting point, though, because sometimes even, or if you think about people, you might consider family and how sometimes the bonds with those people would be stronger than people that you might consider blood relatives i guess is mm. that right that kinship yeah yeah it's about kinship right i think it's just based on like your it must be based on where you're coming from because obviously me growing up in the family and the families i had a family was always going to be husband a wife and kids and stuff and obviously as time's gone on and you grow up and you see the world and you talk to more people you realize that that's not what necessarily makes a family unit but actually, I have to admit that having read that tweet, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess so. Like for, in my head, even subconsciously, if someone said, going to start a family, I would immediately think kids. Mm. I would immediately think kids, genuinely. I would never. Actually, did you send me this video, Therusha? You can tell me whether I've got this wrong. But someone sent me a video of a girlfriend talking to her boyfriend about pretending to have an offer to sell their dog for about 100 grand. And she was saying, like, I'm trying to barter for a little bit more. And the husband, the, the boyfriend, oh, yeah. like, so what do you mean you're bartering? And he was like, I reckon we could get maybe 150 grand. He goes, would you sell your family member? Uh, would you mean you're going to sell our dog? Yeah. And I thought, of course you'd sell the dog. Why would you not sell the dog? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 150 grand, that's not a small amount of money. The dog goes, no? But obviously, I'm not the kind of person to understand that, yeah, this is, I guess member. it is, must be like, yeah, selling a family member. 150 grand, though. 
No, you could get another dog. Just get another one. <laughs> you get quite a lot of dogs. Get another one. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you think, man? Where do you think that's coming from? Yeah, I think. Well, about you and dogs, I don't know. That's complicated. No, I think that's that's been long established. That it's not going to change anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. I guess the other issue, yeah. obviously, is that kind of not. It might not always be possible. It might not always. It might make people who maybe couldn't have children or don't want to have children feel like perhaps their circle of loved ones is minimized by mm. implying that you have to have children to be complete. Because there is this kind of like weird thing, isn't it? I definitely like one of my, one of my mates is really like anti having children. Fair enough. Mm. And, but I remember he mentioned it in the mess and like people started to like, like people who weren't in our conversation, we were just, I know what we were talking about. But basically, there are people just like piping up with that opinion. It's like, yeah, oh, that opinion would, might change and all this kind of stuff. And they're like, <laughs> sorry, like random surgical reg, but we weren't talking to you about kids. I don't know. It just it's, seems really random. It feels like you had a med Twitter episode, but like in real life. Yeah, like literally. Like people... reenact a med Twitter episode. Yeah, all <laughs> these what what Wherever I go, there are these people that just got to chime in. Yeah, gosh. But anyway, yeah. we... med Twitter, um, should we do the PA thing? Because it was. I did more of the PA stuff. Yeah, he just loves it. Okay, yeah. Johnny Cookin, I think he, it was that one, wasn't it? So, quote tweeted someone else and said, RPA training is intense. Oh, overhead some PA students, physician associates. RPA training is intense. Essentially doing what medical students do in two years. Well, okay, so no one wants to do F1, F2 jobs, just pure service provision. They have no choice. Our first month will be like that until the consultants notice us and let us do reg stuff. Yeah, this is another one that's I'm sure that happened. Like you're, you're paranoid. You're paranoid about, paranoid about something, and then when you think that conversation happened, or you don't think it did, it's like a bit of a threshold. Did it happen or didn't happen? Obviously, there's going to be an element of that whenever you see something on the internet, and it is a kind of mm, perfect. And it is a perfect. That, those statements are a perfect storm of like <laughs> things to trigger trigger off like mid Twitter. If you're playing, <laughs> if you're playing a game, okay, let's construct a tweet that's going to that's just going to get those. It's going to get those non accounts out get those people mm. switching to their outs so that they can show their true selves <laughs> if i was going to construct a tweet what would it look like and that's kind of it but like i have mm. you are here like do you hear of people who chat shit and mm. i'm sure i've heard people say stuff along the lines of yeah that's why i don't want to go to medical school i don't want to go because it's too long and so i felt like i could mm. do I could finish in a shorter period of time. And there are lots of implications and stuff like that. But the thing is that people mm. say, you know, people like medical students and their doctors who come out with crap as well. We have to deal with that as well. So it's interesting, though, mm. how this statement by some faithless PA student somewhere is enough, though, mm. people, have kick, people are kicking off. It reminds me of an experience I had when I was doing a teaching session on a, a teaching them how to do x rays and I was doing teaching to some physician associates. And one in particular was very enthusiastic but unfortunately terrible uh, uh, looking <laughs> oh, no. at x-rays and it, but genuinely I, even after i explained like multiple times that this is not consolidation or everything that is slightly wide on an x-ray is consolidation that is a rib that, that's how it was getting a bit silly but that's fine i've had medical students like that i didn't even think twice about this is a pa problem or anything like that I just, yeah. let me just try and explain to you like what's going on and then at some point i think we finished a session then i was curious i never really truth i never really spoken to anyone students or anything like that and um who are students. so i was asking like what's the trajectory what's the long-term plan like where you guys are going to be and this particular one kept saying we're pretty much doctors oh nice i said okay yeah and i just said kept quiet and then he said yeah we're pretty much doctors we're going to be the same thing eventually 
oh, that's cool, man. And then I thought, <laughs> so he's kind of born out of. Yeah, I just kind of thought, yeah. The thing is, like, he was still a student, so mm. I don't know whether he knows or doesn't know what that means, and whether he thinks that's where he's going to be. And yeah. if that's what he thinks he's going to be, then that's good for him. Man. Yeah, like, yeah, literally. go for it. All power to you, mate. I don't know where you're from and where what your deal is, and maybe that's where you want to be. Like, I'm not going to be like, actually, no. What do you mean you're going to be a doctor or yeah. almost? It's like, all right, carry on. Like, I hope you do. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah. It's not as though we don't need more. Yeah. I feel exactly yeah, the same. Yeah, I remember that. And it, it does come up and it, it did strike me a little bit, which is why I still remember it. Mm. But I don't remember getting upset by it. I guess maybe because I'm not paranoid like this. I just don't care. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Also, again, it comes down to that whole thing where people just say a bunch of stuff, don't they? And that stuff mm. doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to happen. And, and if it's not, I just... I think fighting people about their own imaginary, like the kind of tales that people tell to mm. just justify. People say stuff, don't they? And whether they believe it themselves or whether they're saying it to appear a certain way, might sometimes mm. challenging them on it and only just bring about grief. And so sometimes, I think one of my, I remember one of my friends saying, like, when I pointed out something that was annoying that someone had said, and because you obviously get loads of this in medicine, don't you? People who just, oh, like I did this audit that kind of was like changed everything and you're, and you're like, okay. And so I am him saying, when people say that, just say, oh, okay, cool. And just let mm. it go. And the, mm. sometimes, no, I think as soon as you said that, okay, cool. Like literally, that's just like my, my okay, cool, whatever, man. Because like, what does it really like change for you? Like it might be true, it might not be true. It might be a lie they're telling themselves, or it might be the truth. Who cares? Mm. Who cares? Mm. Yeah, the, I think, do you reckon the implication is that they're colluding? That people don't like the fact that they shan't like they're colluding and they're going to eventually take over because not so long ago we had a Reddit tweet where they were colluding, trying to undermine PAs. the PAs. So the game. now you've got the opposite a where it retaliatory looks like strike. Against... We have to strike first. Oh, yeah. Show no mercy. Yeah, you've got to think about this. Yeah. Maybe we're not paranoid enough. PAs, PAs are doing, <laughs> they're doing, they're going to PAs, they're doing the PA degree and they're going to become doctors. And, but doctors are now going to become PAs and <laughs> nurses it's just going to be like topsy-turvy everything is just going to be different yeah it's going to, you're going to turn up and just do whatever and it's all like going around but the thing is like the what strikes me is that something that came up with on one of my cbt sessions the cognitive behavior therapy sessions i had years ago and i mentioned this before but maybe it's useful here in that i was very upset with the way that my tpd and education supervisors were treating me and i felt the college weren't really supported not college it wasn't the college it was the a school and stuff weren't particularly supportive and I said to the guy that I feel like a lot of the time I feel like they're out to get me and I feel like I, I just feel like they're waiting for me to mess up and it's just gonna be a matter of time before the inevitable happens that it's gonna kick me off the scheme and then he said to me think about it this way okay let's say this scenario is true and they're all out to get you right let's just say that's the case how does that affect your work and like, it doesn't because so okay so he's saying so basically you're saying you're still going to do the best work that you can so why are you doing that then and I was like, well, because I want to be the best that I could be. I want to be a good doctor. I want to be good to my patients. Exactly. So let's say they are out to get you. That mean, that doesn't change the work that you do. And let's say it's all in your head and they're not out to get you. Does that change the way you work? I like, no, it's exactly the same. Goes, exactly. So just go do the same job that you'd always do to the best of your ability. And don't worry about this other stuff, the paranoia, the, thing, the things that you think are happening in the background. Just go do the best job that you can. Mm. And that's it. And I thought that was really good advice. Yeah. It made things a lot easier for me to deal with, even when they had snide comments and things throw, being thrown around about me and I overheard from other people about. So I told you, didn't I? I bumped into an old consultant at a wedding and he actually came and apologized to me. And he yeah. was like, look, Imran, I'm really, I need to apologize to the performer. We haven't worked together in years and you're actually one of the nice ones. He goes, no, mate. 
apparently the TPD had actually come up to him and told him to stop giving me assessments saying that I'm good <gasps> or good enough. Oh. And uh, because it's really messing things up. And I was like, uh, is that? And I was like, oh. come on, you can't, that can't be true. And he goes, look, I'm just saying, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have like, I, I should have it. just stood up. I was like, okay, mate. I mean, it's done now. Like whatever. It's so far down the line. And you're one of the good guys. Just forget about it. But uh, this is what I mean. Oh. Looking back, I'm glad I didn't think about that or know about that and any of those things. Cause mm. it, I still worked hard. And that's how I think everyone should just work hard, do the best job you can go home yeah. and do something else. Is what I've also said. Yeah, um, it kind of, kind of brings us on to another topic. Wasn't it? It was a really, really good one. Which about non-accounts being a bit, coming out with some weird stuff, but there was a really good one, which you messaged me. And I thought, yes, that's the one through That was a really good one. Do you remember? Uh, yeah. Yes. And it was about supervision. And it did make me mm. uh, think of you when I saw it, because it is about how, mm. like good ways of dealing with a training and difficulty, but also the label training and difficulty and how it's. Mm. Do you want to read it out? Yeah. Okay, so it's quite a long, it's a few ones, yeah. a few, it's a few tweets. Uh, I don't normally it's read a, beyond one tweet. But anyway, I was a pediatric doctor. Yeah, it's a great account to yeah. follow. Please. At doc underscore bipolar. I mean, they've got like 20,000 followers anyway. No, 13,000 followers. Everyone counts. Yeah, go for it. So I was a pediatric doctor. I got sick, burnout, burnout and mental illness labeled as a training difficulty. I broke. Educators and supervisors, this thread will change your practice. First of all, shame. Up until then, I had been an excellent trainee. Suddenly, my career was reduced to three words, trainee in difficulty, stigma, judgmental, a big black mark next to my name, because that's, that term suggests failure. Weakness with failure comes weakness, a sense that I should be able to cope, an expectation that I wasn't meeting. Clinically, I was still very confident that nothing in that phrase represented that. A sweeping statement with no real meaning. But number three, blame. The system let me feel like I was somehow self-perpetuating my difficulties, like they were mine to own and take control of. The truth is I was sick in many ways. Things were out of my control before the system. We shouldn't need to label trainees to get them the support that they deserve. I was a trainee, just a trainee. If I need to, put it, if I need to be put in a box, it should be a, position, a positive, one that sees me as a person. Language matters. Instead, you could try... I have a trainee with additional needs who deserve more support, who's working hard despite difficult circumstances, who's going through a hard time, who I want to advocate for, who I want to help thrive. This matters. I had some amazing supervisors who have had advocates for me when I couldn't, but the system is rigid, rigged. The language judgmental and we must change it. I resonate with so much of that. And I think what I found, and I think someone mentioned as well about being, how you have centile rank, rankings and stuff and how you get and I was always, in truth, for anyone that doesn't know by now, I was pretty much bomb centile of the entire med school all the way through. And I, God knows how I got through in the end. But the thing is, like, what people didn't realize, uh, and especially, and even when I started failing radiology exams as well, is that a lot of hard work went behind even failing. Like people just assumed that you were just turning up and what, writing your name on the piece of paper and walking out and having a bit of a jolly. I don't know what they were thinking. Mm. But the amount of work, the amount of time, the amount of effort, the number of weddings, the number of like birthdays, all those things that you miss. I'm not asking anyone to feel sorry for you or anyone that has to go to you. It is a personal choice to say. But to say that someone is a person in difficulty and suggesting that they are not as good or not working as hard is really harsh when you yeah. put that much work in. And then, yeah, sometimes you just don't get what you want. You don't always win everything all the time yeah. and stuff. And I think it's a really, really good, really good thread. Yeah, I saw this video, I think it was on TikTok, where someone was saying about a lot of these terms that 
I think the people think of them as progressive. They're actually are used as weapons. And so mm. this whole training in distress, I think, is supposed to create the aura of you thinking, oh, you're going to go out to help them. But as a kind of bipolar doc account rightly says, it's actually very stigmatizing. And it's and I remember when you were talking about how they gave you a piece of paper to sign and how the kind of, a lot of the impetus is put on you to come out. They're like, go, what, okay, why don't you find find a resilience course and go on that and then report back to me. Like, And it is kind of, you're treated mm. like a tennis ball and you're knocked away off to do some stuff and then to present back with solutions to your own problems. And mm. that kind of supervision is just, it's just performative, isn't it? But uh, yeah, I think it's a great thread because it does actually give you realistic sounding alternatives, but it, and it does like really shine a light on how pathological that process is. And I don't think it's talked about enough, but I think we all recognize that the term training in distress is a dangerous one and a scary one. And you know that the implication of being labeled with that is badness is oh no they're, they're coming for me that's what people yeah. are thinking and that's not what it's supposed to be yeah exactly and this is i think that particular tweet is quite nicely highlighted how language matters yeah. because it wasn't until that tweet that i when I, you think of difficult yeah training difficulty it wasn't nice being labeled training difficulty and the way that you treated when you're a training difficulty was not nice and the way they people I remember turning up to the ARCP and they would say something like, um, yeah, you've been highlighted as a training difficulty. And everyone, like, oh, yeah, you think, yeah, yeah, I am, yeah, that's me. I'm a training <laughs> difficulty. What do we do? In fact, there was one, one point when I was in an ARCP and uh, I think uh, I'd failed some exams, but I hadn't failed enough to have my ex training extended. And the TPD, my TPD was sitting there. And then I kind of looked at them and said, oh, come on, mate, don't do me over here. Yeah. And uh, I don't deserve to get extended and stuff. And then, so the people on the board are like, okay, you don't need to get extended yet, but we should, we'll have to revisit this. You're going to have to have interim ARCP. We can talk to each other and see where you are at. And the TPD goes, I think you should get extended. And they all looked at him and they said, he hasn't failed that many times to, and he goes, yeah, but I just think that he should get extended. And then they, it was so oh. awkward. They all looked at each other. They looked at him, they looked at me. And they said, Imran, do you mind just stepping out for a minute, please? Oh, really? It's you like that. To have a conversation. Oh yeah. God. So then I, I said, okay. So I went and sat outside, whistling away, <laughs> came back in. They oh, called me back in. I came and sat down and I said, and they all looked at each other and yeah, so we're going to extend your training by uh, six months. And I thought, oh, wow. You bust. Why? Just, well, we, why are you doing this to me, man? But what did Mayweather say? Sometimes you're on the A team and the B team. And when you're on the B team, you've got to do whatever the A team says. And that particular situation, at that particular time, he was the A team, I was the B team. I just had to take it. That's what happened. So I don't know why I'm talking about this. It's not about me. No, uh, anyway. but it is interesting. I think that kind of your situation, it, that's why I sent it to you because it made me think of your situation. But mm. I think it's just, is really funny because so in that video that I saw, they were talking about other terms that are kind of used in a way that is, you, you would think are protective or sympathetic, but they're not. Like mm. di diversity is like another one. Mm. Or even when people talk about democracy and what that even really means anymore. And uh, I think one of the points of that video, if I find the link, I'll, maybe you could like, add it to the, like, the end of the episode, but they're deliberately vague and it's all kind of smoke and mirrors and it does hide a lot of bad behavior, but it's under this guise of kind of concern and whatever. But yeah, really yeah. interesting thread. 
Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a, a, a account to follow. Another tweet came up this week, which I thought was actually quite interesting, and it'll be interesting to see what you think, Tarusha. Yeah. As a doctor, so there's Dr. Tammy Matawala at, oh, it's quite a nice name, at least underscore ordinary. <laughs> cool. As a doctor or a nurse, have you ever cried when you lost a patient? Tarusha, have you ever cried when you lost a patient? Or have you cried in general for a patient? For in a, their circumstances. For a patient. Good or bad? Yeah. And if you didn't, are you dead inside? Am I dead inside? <laughs> I have. I remember like, there have been times where I felt like upset about stuff that I've seen. And mm. I wouldn't say that I cried like in the moment, but there are some, there must be some people that you still think about. And there are a few people like that. I remember like on one particular job where there was a patient who's pretty much in there throughout the time that I was in that rotation and then they died at the very end and so you feel like you got to know them and I remember feeling quite gutted by that I can't say that I've ever cried in the moment but there are kind of times or things that I've seen that I think still upset me when I think about them I remember like mm. once seeing a, a young patient who was on a Lucas device okay and I think okay. that I don't know what that is but yeah okay oh no sorry sorry mate. it's like a it's an external CPR machine. So it does, CP it's like oh, a me wow, mechanical okay. CPR. And mm. I remember I'd seen the patient to begin with. And then during my next on calls, I was on the arrest team and coming and seeing a patient, that patient, and they had that mechanical CPR thing going up and down. And there was mm. something about the coldness of watching this mechanical device just administer CPR to a young person's body that mm. I think I can still see it now. That was really sad. So I guess there's a, I can't say that I've ever, I thought that kind of tweet was a bit funny. It was like one of those kind of, I, I feel like Pete Turton would have had something to say about that. Like she's a little bit like. <laughs> we should go check his account. Yeah, yeah. If he's, have you, has he seen it yet? Has he seen it yet? I don't know. It's, we should send it to him and see what he says. Yeah, it's a little bit like one of those, I'm going to put it into my memoir and send it, it'll be like a bestseller, you know, about mm. how, uh, I don't know. I'm a workaholic and I get up at five in the mm. morning to do my yoga and then to count the blessings of every one of the patients I saw on the ward round yesterday, I like all that kind mm. of stuff. So yeah, when yeah. I saw that tweet, I was a bit like, so I think I made a, I think I replied jokingly talking about crying for something stupid. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I think I replied with something sarcastic, but I don't have you cried, have you cried over a no. No, fair enough. So let's move on. No, I'm not <laughs> no, I haven't, but have you, obviously the, the ones that you think of every now and again, yeah, about, yeah, there's the ones that you think of every now and again that kind of stick in your mind. And I think the, the, for some reason, there's one particular one that keeps sticking in my mind. But I think that says a lot about me. And I often worry about, no, I don't, yeah, I often worry about the person I actually am rather than what I think I am, if that makes any sense. And so this reminds me of a time when I was S1 on the ward. I was about to leave. And the nurse said to me, Hi, Imran, do you mind just doing this one thing for me? And I was like, Go on, what is it? And she said, Oh, this person's just turned up from Amy. Can you just do the cannula? And at the time, I was terrible at cannulas. I'm not saying I'm particularly good now, but I'm just saying I wasn't. I was less practiced. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I can't, yeah, well, that's like another half an hour. I'm going to get things ready. And yeah. I just can't be bothered. And I said, like, listen, otherwise I've got to call the on-call. And that part of me is, yeah, I remember I don't want the on-call to come down either for a cannula. It's not great, is it? Fine. So I went and I found the person looked really scared. Mm. And I was like, why does the person look so scared? I didn't read anything. Mm. I just he walked in. I knew the person needed a cannula and stuff, but they didn't have a cannula. The patient said, I'm really scared. And I said, why are you scared for you? I think I'm going to die tonight. Mm. And I thought, yeah, okay, why? What, what's up? And you're like, 
I've got cancer. I'm not feeling very well, and I think I'm going to die tonight. Oh. And I thought, oh, okay. And then I tried to juice myself, and then I tried to put the cannula in. And as I was about to put it in, she just grabbed my arm like really tightly. And then I just looked at her, and she goes, you're a good person, aren't you? Oh. And I thought, I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> and then I think I might say, I'm not sure. I don't know. And she goes, I think you're a good person. And then she's, and then I think she said something else. I can't remember what it was. And then I put the cannula in and I walked off and I said, Look, hopefully I'll see you tomorrow morning when I actually get to clock you in. And then I walked off and I was really bickering my mind about like how I'm now an hour late. I was meant to be doing this and I'm stuck and why does it keep happening to me every single day? The next day I came in and that bed was empty. Mm. And I was like, hey, what happened to that person? Because oh, they, uh, they passed away in the middle of the night. And I thought, wow, she was right. Mm. Wow. And I felt really bad about doing that cannula. That's really bad of me, isn't it? I'm a bad person. You know what I mean? And it, I think that really sticks in my head still to this day that, yeah, I could have been nicer or at least had nice. It's not that I wasn't nice to that person. I think I could have had nicer thoughts. Yeah, I know, you know? what you mean. I wasn't horrible. I think that person would have good memories of me, but I think I could have been nice from the inside. But yeah. I wasn't. Yeah, fair I, enough. I failed myself there. Yeah. I know what you mean. It's funny, isn't it? Because then I think that's what, like with loss or like when stuff that happens, which makes you revisit like every everything that you did leading up to that kind of moment um i can mm. see why I'd reflect on it after yeah because I, I always say stuff like it's more about an intention as to why something is done and I, if it was the older version of me i would have made that conscious decision i'm going to do something good to help someone and that's all that matters now it doesn't matter whether i'm going home late or not but at the time being younger being a bit selfish i was like no mate i want to go home i'm sick of being here i'm always here i'm yeah. always coming in early and always leaving late and I was thought I was going to go, and now you're making me stay, and this is going to be completely useless and all that. Yeah, um, that's the whole thing, yeah. isn't it? Like with burnout and stuff as well, because you get that kind of fatigue, um, empathy fatigue. That does lead us on to another tweet. I wanted to. I, I, I mm. found my reply, by the way, which is when I oh, yeah, I moved to Addenbrooke's Hospital as an F1, and uh, I pretty much the day before, like I was working in Peterborough as an F1, and put the stuff into my back back of my car, like all of my worldly belongings in the back of my old Golf. And then drove to the hospital car park, parked the car. But Adam Brooks is, so I'd worked in Peterborough, which is a DJ and Adam Brooks, which is humongous, parked in a car mm. park, went. So this is quite late in the evening, went to the, uh, try and find the accommodation keys. I was staying in the hospital accommodation, I had to go to the porters because it was after hours, mm. get the keys and realize I couldn't find my car and just got really lost. I knew that I was going to, I had induction tomorrow morning and it was now like, coming up to midnight and I was just walking through like the different car parks around Edinburgh Hospital and I cried because I was like what am I doing <laughs> and I can't find anything I just I'll even sleep in my car I don't even want to go to the accommodation I was like <laughs> that's what I replied with but um yeah anyway yeah I always used to get lost I used to I always used to lose my car <laughs> um, yeah always yeah I feel yeah, like now I can trace it so it's all good yeah. oh yeah fine you just go computer yeah nice computer look at <laughs> Locate the Badmobile. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there was a kind of uh, article in Pulse Today by a GP, mm. which was horrendous. Mm, I remember this one. Yeah. Um, so I, I think we should talk about it because it's about empathy fatigue. So I think, so helpfully, I think I called this link in our thing, this dickhead. Oh, yeah, there it is. For, for no reason at all, I called it that, but just mm. to help me. So there's an article, if you wanted to check it out, it's, it's utter, I think it's, it comes from the place when you were, talk you were talking quite humbly about like intentions and things. Unfortunately, I don't think this person has has their intentions quite so well when they wrote this article because essentially what mm. they're saying 
to paraphrase the article, which is in Pulse today, and there's a tweet about it on November the 13th. Uh, so the kind of tagline is, the time for niceties has passed. There is no magic resources in the NHS. Every minute spent discussing a moody teenager is a minute less spent seeing a palliative patient, says columnist Dr. Musgrave. And basically the implication of the article is that there are too many people seeking help for anxiety, bereavement, bereavement problems and mental health issues and the you know, ambulance queues and hospitals are rampant. I think there's an implication there, which is, I think seems strange because like how many kind of teenagers with anxiety are going to be calling ambulances and stuff? What is this idiot mm. on about? I'm sure it's proportionate. I mean, I mean, I guess I only had six months of A&E, but as proportion of the patients coming in, there wasn't, you know, I had like one or two in the entire six months I was there. Yeah. I can't imagine it be that big a number, but I think the whole thing in general just talks about how much empathy that the person has for what well, I guess for anyone young yeah is that what the problem is if they're older with the same issues would that be not an issue what what exactly is the problem here that someone comes in with anxiety and can I give you and that kind of thing I think it's just like an mm. easy slam dunk isn't it it's easy to dunk on teenagers mm. easy to call them moody because there is this kind of there's already this kind of pantomime image of them and so it's easy to mm. like dunk on them with this but how often do teenagers or young people that's not the problem isn't it the problem isn't mm. that there's there's like a kind of siege of young people coming going to their gp with mental health problems in, in fact it's the other way around we know that it's a mm. massive unmet need in the uk and there's loads of people walking around with anxiety depression mental health issues that feel mm. that there isn't there aren't adequate the rightly feel like there isn't an adequate provision of services for them that they may get sent away that they may have to wait a really long time even if they do pluck up the courage and the fortitude and the bravery to see their gp in the first place and articles like this that imply that they're somehow backing up the nhs is just reckless mm. and just hurtful at mm. kind of best and at worst just bigoted and stupid i read this article mm. and i was just enraged i was like how can this and what i can think of is emotional burnout it must be like mm. for someone to talk people in this way i was disgusted mm. but there were people usually a non-accounts were like oh they're saying what i wanted to say and it's like, yeah you, i mean you've got a non-accounts so why not be brave and say it from there because you're not brave enough to say it with your real name we've had a good example of a non-accounts where they've actually done something quite positive with that bipolar doctor bipolar yeah. underscore bipolar and made us all think about something that we probably don't think about and then you've got the other non-accounts who just kind of i don't know just uh, to kick up a bus and um cause all sorts of havoc and upset people essentially or say what they really think which i don't know is that a good thing or a bad thing i need to know what they're really thinking but talking about people who go on go online and or even out there and say what they're thinking i think dr sarah clark got mentioned yeah. this week in tweets yeah. slightly disappointed to see dr sarah clark denounce spending on locum doctors on the bbc news not only that but supporting pas as an alternative to more doctors the answer is to pay us more to retain staff increase their student numbers as well as national training numbers for st training and actually this also relates to another tweet that i saw an article from the bbc about locums in general did you see oh, that yeah were they like 2500 yeah. pounds or something per shift yeah, yeah the whole headline was written out as like okay obviously it's a lot of money but as in if it was made to make you feel aghast yeah like nurses making 2500 okay let's how dare they nurse with how footballers. dare they exactly exactly and then let's replace nurse with footballers how would you feel then yeah. if we say an actress a singer how would you feel that or a business tycoon makes a two thousand pounds an hour how do you feel what what's your emotions there but as soon as you have the word nurse or doctor it's like, oh okay 
that's not nice, is it? It's, that's not allowed. That's because it's a vacation. Yeah, it's not allowed. But I watched the video as well, and it was absolutely astonishing to me anyway. So I'm going to give a lot of them a benefit of the doubt for the vast majority of the benefit of the doubt, apart from one. So there were some young guys, and I think one's got a YouTube thing going on, and he's doing my social media thing. Apparently. I think he didn't look like he was going either way on it because he was saying, like, look, I've made loads of money. I made more money doing a locum job than I do in a year being a trainee, which is true. But what really got me was this, I don't know, they got this consultant or some prof, and he said he signed up to, but never said he worked any shifts. And he went and pointed out, oh, look at this, like they're paying £100 an hour, as if that was a as if this was an astronomical amount of money to pay for a consultant oncologist of his level, and he's a prof, by the way, £130 an hour. So unless he's saying that he would actually pay, go to work for less, I'd be very interested to see his business account and see exactly mm-hmm. what's going on, because I find it very hard to believe that someone in that position, and like all that time, would remotely dare say that £130 is too much for yeah. a doctor, let alone a consultant doctor, let alone any doctor. And I've said this before, I think we're all worth way more than that. I think all junior doctors are worth like, I don't know, 30, 130, 150 pounds. That's my personal opinion. But I just find it very weird when you've got someone that's clearly got things going quite well for themselves, pointing out to the newspapers and all this stuff like, as if this is some sort of gotcha. Come on, mate, let's see what you're, let's see where you're living in. Where, what's your situation like? That you're going to turn around and say to people that 130 pounds an hour for a consultant job is, uh, is too much, which isn't that much, actually, by the way, <laughs> for anyone that's interested. <laughs> Do far better than that. It's just amazing, isn't yeah. it? Because it just makes you wonder, what are they trying to pander to? What is it? Who is it that they're trying to impress by saying, oh, like these people, look at those people who are getting paid so much. What is it? What is the problem exactly? What is it? Why is it? Why does it bother you so much? Like those, the people are paying paid how much people are willing to pay them to fill those shifts. If you've got an issue with it, why don't you go cover those shifts then and do it for free? Or yeah, exactly. What is exactly. the issue? Like they're paying that because they need to be paid that much, and that's maybe they're not very nice shifts to do. And they're artificially capped as well, so they've already tried to prevent it going by market forces, which would be inevitably upwards far higher than 130 pounds per hour, even for a consultant. That would be going for a junior right now if they just let it run. Yeah. But because they don't want to spend that kind of money, they like trying to make out that's a bad thing. And this is what I keep saying: I just don't understand. Why everyone else seems to be okay to you could you read the story about I don't know some you could hear some read some story about some shop worker and they managed to figure out some sort of business plan and now they're making two thousand pounds in a day you'll see that kind of thing flying around but if you hear that a fully qualified person who's gone through to university done all their degree and doing something that's actually net positive even if their intentions may not be net positive it's not worth that makes you feel a bit bad like why though what's the emotion that's driving you to think that. A certain profession is not worth that. What would you say if, law, if they said lawyers get paid that kind of money? £2,000, £130 an hour. You might say, okay, it's a lot, but then they're lawyers, so you expect as much. Bankers, software engineers, people who work at Twitter, if they're getting paid that, would you be like, oh, okay, that's terrible. How could you get paid that much? Everyone's like, yeah, that's okay. That's kind of expected. Yeah, totally. But they reduce the expectation of doctors in this country and every health profession in this country so that when a headline like that comes out, you're almost embarrassed. If, I, if someone said to me, if... I know people who do far better than that, but they would not want me to mention it out in public or anything like that mm. because they know they'll get a backlash. They'll suddenly get accused of all sorts of stuff, mm. which is clearly, which is not true. They're good people. Yeah. They just get paid a lot for what they do. There's a bit of a campaign, isn't it? To, I think imply that perhaps doctors and GPs in particular, there's been that campaign to say that they're 
overpaid or getting paid too much and they're doing too little and need to work more. I saw a few this week where they're saying, oh, there's, was it the Chancellor for Health? I don't know. It might be that person. Mm, so many. Right, exactly. Don't know which one it is. And he was like saying, mm. oh, consultants need to work like seven days a week. And it's, um, they do though? What? He's like, it's just, they're just rhetoric and stuff that's just supposed <laughs> to create a kind of impression, isn't it? Which is amazing. But moving on, there was a tweet from Carolina mm. Espada. And she said, today I'm asking myself if I should leave general practice, a place where patients only have rights and don't respect your advice, where I don't feel safe. Because if we say no capacity or redirect, they'll just walk into your room and demand to be seen. Why is this allowed or accepted? That's an interesting one. It is interesting, isn't it? I, I would always say to yourself like what it is that you're there for in the first place right and if it's going to start affecting your own mental health and your own happiness it's probably not worth it like just to go do something else and someone who's a qualified gp there are so many things that you could do out there it's ridiculous right i just think that with these situations it, i don't think it's yeah you're in it for whatever reason you think it is but if, look if this is yeah if for me like i've you've, you had difficult people but then as long as i get to go home and i get the bills paid then that's like the shelves made. That's what I do. Genuinely. Yeah, I just it's think not an issue. I think the sad, but it is sad though, isn't it? Because what you want is for there to be an environment whereby helpful, talented people are encouraged to stay. And I think there is this bemusement and astonishment that there's this kind of undermining narrative that's going on. Mm. And rather than just paying people more or resourcing the NHS. It's just seemed to be easier to just not do that and then have people turn against them. And I feel bad for them. I feel bad for them because these are well-meaning people. Obviously, I'm sure they're well aware that they could go and join another industry and make bank and stuff. But maybe they liked being a GP, but I guess. Okay, think about this point of view, right? So let's just change this. So today I asked myself as I, the radiologist, a place where other doctors can walk in, have the rights, then don't respect your advice and feel safe because they've got no capacity to redirect and will just walk into your room and demand to get a scan. Why is this allowed or accepted? The thing is, like, on some level, we're like this, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like, we're like this with each other. Like, I see it all the time. I'm not even joking. Like, people will just call me up and say, get the scan done. I want it done now. Yeah. All right, mate. Like, at least it's done what it is and I'll get it done. Like, it's not an issue. But I'm just saying that when there's, like, some sort of service, and especially for the paid service, so in the private sector, it's even worse. If you think it's bad here, then imagine what the private sector is that where people are expecting a certain level. Yeah. And if you don't to get that level, they're going to be even more demand and give you more grief and you have more phone calls, more emails to reply to. So we're talking about a place where there is an expectation of a service and they're going to act like that because they, you're not, they feel as though you're not re, re, reaching the expectations, regardless of whether it's realistic or not. Yeah. That they just feel like that's the way it is. But I'm just saying that I feel as though patients are very blameless in this particular situation. I just don't think that you can blame patients for the yeah, for bursting and being like that yeah. because they're coming from a place of, have you ever been in a situation where you've got a family member that's sick and you've obviously pulled a few things here and there and you think, so well, what would Joe Public do in that situation? Like yeah. How long it would have taken them for them to get that sorted out? How long would it take for them to get this thing done? And, uh, and that's when you realize like how dire a situation for a not, I sound terrible, but like for a non-medic, yeah. like a, for a layman, as it were, mm. to navigate the system, to know who to talk to, when to talk to, when to go to any, when not to go to any, That's when true. to go to the GP, when not to go to GP. And so to get angry at these people, I don't think it's entirely fair. Just don't think it is. Yeah, fair enough. And, um, I do remember, and that, yeah. there was that guy who burst into your room and demanded your ultrasound as testicles. 
Yeah. That was, and yeah, you did I it. Remember that? Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. did it. So. No, I did not do that. I did not. Oh, do, you didn't did do it. Did no, no, no. I thought you, you forgot the answer. So uh, you, you burst in. You demand me to do something. <laughs> Obviously, I was not going to risk anesthetics. No, but what actually happened was this. Is, what actually happened was even worse than that because then he was like self harm, and I thought, okay, I don't know where this comes oh, from. No. Right? And he, he pulled his arm up, and there was like you know, like tiny little scratches on his hand. And I was like, oh man, uh, okay. And he goes, look, if you don't scam me right now, I'm going to jump off the building. Oh yeah. Do you remember? And I was like, okay. Oh. And then I didn't take it seriously. I was like, yeah. it was a, I didn't really believe it. Like the whole thing felt so comical. Like someone's walking in the middle of radiology well, and demand his balls to be scanned. And I went and sat down and my mate said, hey, what happened, man? So yeah, this guy just came and demanded me to scan his balls, right? And he goes, where's he gone now? I was like, I don't know. He said he's going to jump off the building. And he goes, sorry, what? He's like, he said he's going to jump off the building. He goes, you might want to call someone about that. And I was like, why? And he goes, dude, listen to what he just said. And I was like, okay. He might jump off. You need to call. So I had to call like security. I had to call A and E and tell them that this person had been walking around yeah. and so then they had like people running around mm. like the hospital trying to make sure that everything's blocked off. You should have yeah, just scanned his. That's walls. what actually happened. You should have scanned his. Walls. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but I had principles, man. I had scans to look at. Those scans, CT heads. Need to scan. <laughs> I was on call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. You were being. No, I, I did not scan. Oh. I did not scan him. Oh, fair <laughs> You need to referral. You need to referral. That's what he needs. Yeah, no, no, I don't, don't take orders. So you can't just walk in. Okay. Yeah, right, Let's move on. So there was a tweet from Nehal Yam at Dr. Yamala, mm. and he says, Does anyone else get nervous when examining a doctor who's a patient? I feel mm. like I'm back in medical school sitting in OSCE, especially those who are much more senior to you. Mm. Have you ever had you must have done scans on have you ever done? Yeah, scan? I do. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've scanned loads of doctors, but thankfully no radiologists thus far. Oh, yeah. So I think if it was a radiologist and they look at the screen and say, mate, you can't take a picture of a kidney, can you? But like, all right, mate, relax. I'll try my best to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and there might be, then I, could, I remember, I can imagine that being the situation. But most of time when I scan a doctor, they don't even know what they're looking at anyway. So I could be pointing out their gallbladder and say, mate, look at the size of your kidney. And they're like, yeah, look at that. <laughs> You're an idiot. No, I'm joking. But, you know what I mean? <laughs> we just, yeah, yeah, things, fair enough. It? I think I can get away with That's it true, until actually. I meet that radiologist. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I think there's a yeah. whole, I, I do think it's funny. It's funny you should mention that because obviously I must get to a point where you'd be happy with another doctor, but if it's within your specialty, then that's like a different yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. It would be, wouldn't but, it? it would, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, how do yeah. you feel if some big prophet watching you do Mianjo live? Like, yeah, yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Pull back on that a little bit, just a little bit, because I think you might need to twist your finger a bit <laughs> that way. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. You're right, actually. I, I think I would be extra shaky for that. I do think it's funny yeah. sometimes when, because obviously, like, when you subspec and, like, when you get cardiologists from, who are from other subspecs who are like, oh, but you're the interventionist, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> but I do remember when, when I was a more junior reg and we had an ex-consultant general surgeon, and mm. I remember kind of he'd been a surgeon at that hospital, like the nurse's recognized his name and stuff but he'd retired but not like super long long before and feeling a bit nervous kind of approaching him but he was like oh things have changed so much and I obviously didn't know anything about medicine when I was a surgeon Mm. or whatever and that kind of put me at ease and then I remember seeing him with one of we had this one of the consultants was like supremely like glamorous and he basically shamelessly hit upon her like during the ward round it was so weird because it's like this okay and he was like Oh, at the end, she was like, do you have any questions? And he said, like, oh, can I take you out to dinner? And she was like, I'm busy tonight, basically looking at the notes that your wife helpfully sent in. And it was just like the way oh, she wow. just ended it. Like, but wow. it was just, 
to even be in that situation. I know. It's so gross. It's so gross. I didn't even see it coming, but it did make me think, wow, like it must have been a real rodeo like those days, like to be so brazen, like in front of everyone to speak to a female Mm. colleague like that. But she just obviously was like, like, back of the hand, get Mm. away. But yeah, it did make me think, oh, dinosaurs. Mate, I've seen some horrendous things. Like I remember when uh, we were in uni, I had to go to a placement and then I was uh, like an oncology uh, consultant or something. And uh, this may or may not have happened, (laughs) but we're in the room. And the patient had a prosthetic breast on, right? One. And he was, uh, yeah, one, yeah. And he was trying to, he asked me, do you mind if um, my student has a look at that just to show him like what this is and how it works? And, all this stuff. and so she, she, she gave it to him. And then he turns around and goes, you know what we do? We go from the other end of the room and we throw it and hopefully it sticks in the right place. Oh my God. And you, you see that person's face, it just dropped. And I, my face dropped like, what? Why are you saying and that? And I was this young kid. I, why would you say that? That's a, just a horrible thing to say that's just someone's body and you just treated it like nothing and that's another one of the things that haunt me now i don't know what i was a young guy maybe i should have said something i didn't say anything i just sort of kept quiet but like yeah yeah, yeah. please end this consultation as quickly as possible yeah. i can't take this it's one of those sort of swallow you up situations but yeah can you imagine that could even remotely happen in the first place it's like how different things were and that was what two decades ago probably yeah. the funny thing is that we say that but i think the thing is that stuff like this does still happen that you probably just see it less so people are a bit more like careful about who they say it in front of and who's mm. hearing it as you've mm. obviously unfortunately seen from like twitter and stuff and people telling us these kind of yeah well dickheads are still out there yeah twitter's been an eye opener man mm. honestly yeah so we're getting up to- kind of every now and again it's like really yeah go on. we're getting yeah. up towards the end i wanted to mention mm. a few because there, there were so many good things there's so many good mm. things. But one of them was, I think, a tweet that you copied in, which was from Stephen oh, yeah. Leitner. And I was just interested because mm. you put a line in there, which made me think, oh, you've got some opinions on this. So let me read out the tweet. So, <laughs> as Steve Leitner, friend's wife calls a mm. GP surgery in England this morning at 8 a.m. saying she's coughing up blood, mm. told all appointments are gone that day and call back tomorrow. And they've tagged in NHS England. We have a problem. Mm. And yes. I know GPs are working V hard and no, mm. it's not all the government's fault. That's it. And then you said, I think you've written like, it's not the government's fault. Imran, mm. whose fault is it? Mm. Whose fault is it? No, my point, my implication was that, hang on. So if it's not the government's fault, whose fault are you trying to say is? What's your implication, my friend? That I'm not going to blame the GPs. It's no one else's fault. Yeah. But that's what it came across like. That's what I think you're trying to say here. So I thought it was a very sort of accusatory way of yeah saying that i mean of course it's government's fault whose fault is it, could, is it going to be for not funding the nhs and funding it properly and making sure that things like this don't get slipped through the net the person's coughing up blood that should be seen to shouldn't it really but clearly we don't have things in place and whose fault could that be it can't be anyone else's it's successive governments isn't it this is not this thing didn't come out of the blue i can't remember in the entire time that we've been doctors i can't remember a point in, in life when even when labor in charge Things going particularly well in, in the NHS. It always seemed to be not doing well. It was always at a teetering age. Like you never really got a big flux of funding and everything's going well and everyone's doing all right and everything's being great, going great. There's never been a situation where the NHS is funded correctly. And I do think that is a lot to do with, and I've said this before, like where healthcare falls in terms of people's uh, consciousness and priorities, right? So if you went to a dying person, I know it sounds a bit morbid, right? But if you went to a dying person and said, listen, I might be able to give you like maybe a minute of more life. How much are you willing to give me for that? 
they'd give you they'd give you the world every single penny in the entire planet they'd give you like give it to you for one more minute on this planet just one more minute that's all they want and and that's when healthcare's worth millions billions the entire wealth of the entire country and the world is worth that one minute but up till that point everyone seems to think that healthcare is not that big a deal and i can't explain it i don't know what it is i can't explain it and so when this person says whose fault is it it is a government's fault but i also think it's partly uh, our own fault for not seeing healthcare as a, like one of the most important things in this modern age that's what i think mm. about that yeah fair yeah. enough well that was deep uh, so sorry let's, let's, let's do a festival let's do a festival <laughs> let's go festival yeah, 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 it's, yeah. it's like okay. it's like festival sushi yeah and then yeah, yeah, you've got to have you've got to have that ginger yeah, yeah. so let's go for the ginger then yeah. okay. okay sorry <laughs> so, uh, so we're going to read out one each mm. i've got the top one they're both okay then the second the mm. one i've given you isn't dodge don't worry so the wife and i take turns okay. to do the family ironing i do one week and she does the next so i only wash my clothes the, the week she's ironing that way there's less for me to do when it's my turn Mm, yeah. nice nice yeah. that's good thinking isn't it yeah. that's good that's thinking i feel like one of those things is like, probably did a back accident one and then you're like oh and then you go, oh hang on because there's something like okay this may or may not have happened but like back in school we had to do history homework and had to be in by monday right. and i could never be bothered and no i think one time i forgot and when the teacher was going around we had to put all the books in, on the pile and the teacher went off so one time i didn't put it in because i didn't have it done and then I went in, and so we had the next lesson on Thursday, and I realized that if I went between lessons into his office, the pile of books are still there, uh... unmarked, every single week. So I always had three more days than anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> and I just shoved my book in the middle of it all, and it was as if it was handed That's in. That's amazing. Who was the teacher? He was the history one that I think he ended up leaving to become a vicar. I can't remember his name. Do you remember? It was Mr. Sim. King. 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 Mr. King. Uh, yeah, yeah, Mr. King. Uh, he only marked those stuff the night before. That's what I realized. So that's why I always had it. Yeah. You were always finding that's those loopholes, mate. That's just me. I think, I say, I, yeah, I've said this before. Like, I feel like I'm one of the people that is so, I would rather find the shortcut and do the shortcut, even if the shortcut is more work than doing the work. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. It's a problem. It's a problem. I know it is. That is. But it's the same as we did the comedy course, you remember? Yeah. And he's like, you've got to memorize the things. Like, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything. I'm going to do this like, weird, like, yeah, prompt. Yeah, thing. so I've had it all to cue I feel like... and I managed to get it timed correctly for what I need to do and say. It's <laughs> funny because that is, that's so true. I feel like that's like your essence. Obviously, there are other things to you. But if I had to say, like, if I was speaking to someone and I was like, what is Imran? Like, what sets Imran apart? It'd be that. <laughs> Well, handing in is a history the history like homework before, having figured out yeah, yeah having figured well, out that geez. thing and then sliding in the middle <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, that's to so me true, so true. Um, I think I used to do the cardiology for a <laughs> anyway I, I'll tell you about no, no, what like, you um, I discovered that okay so basically in the hospital I used to work out the cardiology referrals took ages because you guys get similar referrals right. all day long yeah. so then I realized what would happen was that the referral would go fax to you guys and then it would go to the secretary and someone would bet, essentially bet through which one need to be seen, seen sooner. And then whoever actually got the one that needed to be seen sooner would go downstairs and put it into a little sleeve in their office. Oh. <laughs> I discovered what that sleeve was. <laughs> but I bypassed the entire I just put the sleeve. And every single time I had a car lodge braille, I went downstairs at the end of work when no one else was there. I put it into the little sleeve and walked off. My cardiology patient got seen the next day. Oh, wow. And everyone's like, how do you get your patient to see so quickly? I was like, I don't know. It's just one of those things. I write good referrals. That's amazing. <laughs> amazing. That enrages me as well. So, yes, at the same time. Pattern behavior. Pattern behavior continued for many years, it seems. Okay. 
you want me to read this one, yeah? yeah? And the wife is so impressed that I notice whenever she's had her hair from this hair done and benefit usually ensue that night. The truth is, I watch the bank account app like a hawk and can't help noticing when the salon has fleeced her for another tidy sum. It's cunning, isn't it? Wow. Yeah. That is very cunning. Very cunning. Yeah, respect. Nice. Like that. Yeah. Man, who keeps track of that? Yeah, fair enough, yeah. man. Good for you, man. You keep track of it. Exactly. Like that. Respect. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah. Yeah, cool. Exactly. All right. Anyway, so thank you everyone for listening. We are still sponsored by Manscaped. So do go buy some boxes with someone that you like or someone that you don't like. So maybe they'll become someone that you do because they smell nice and uh, <laughs> smooth. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. Be nice to each other. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>